Thank you so very much. We appreciate the service, the music, the singing. Thank you for the offering. The offering reminded me of the preacher that was talking to the church about going forward. And he got excited and said, and we need to go forward in order to go forward. We got to walk. Well, there was a deacon sitting on the front row and he said, that's right, preacher. Let the church walk on. Then he said, after we walk, the church has got to run. The deacon said, that's right, preacher. Let the church run on. Then after he said that, he said, in order to continue moving with God, the church has got to fly. The deacon said, that's right, preacher. Let the church fly on. And then the preacher said, in order for us to fly, the church has got to have a lot of money. Let the church walk, preacher. Let the church walk, preacher. So many here that are committed to giving, paying tithe, and, and giving offerings, and you've helped us to be able to succeed and to bless not only in this area, in the uh, Durham Triangle area, but also bless around the world, whether it's in Nicaragua, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in India, and we could go on and on how God has certainly uh, been able to bless us with our uh, ministry because of your giving and we thank you from the bottom of our heart for all that you do amen prayer is important here as Christy said and it's it's important that we are committed to prayer and there are times listed in the bulletin and most of you know of these times that we pray and we pray together and we pray silently sometimes we pray uh, individually sometimes we pray one leading and others agreeing. There are just so many ways that we pray. One of the ways that we pray here is we pray together. Now, I know there are churches that are not used to that maybe, but uh, there are times when we pray together, when everybody prays at one time. And someone says, I, I can't get my thoughts together. Well, <clears throat> there are other times that we pray that you can get your thoughts together. But I hope that we can come together as a body of believers and pray audibly and pray out. And the Bible speaks not only of prayer, but the Bible speaks of crying out to God. And there are many positions that you can certainly apply to prayer. And there, are, there is the kneeling, there is the laying before the Lord, there is the crying out to God, there is the lifting up of the hands. So let's all be committed to prayer. Let's all be committed to different ways that we certainly pray. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. I think we have, yes, we've got some folks back there. And just lift your hand. We want everyone to have an outline. We began several months ago on cultivating relationships. Cultivating relationships. And uh, how that we could have a relationship, first of all, with God. Why first of all with God? Because every relationship, whether it's the family, whether it's the church, whether it's our relationship with the world, we, you and I, must first start with God. Amen? Amen. Any of you mothers ever braid your daughter's hair? You ever braid it? How many strings does it take to braid the hair? Huh? Well, if you braid it, if you just use two uh, strings, it, it, it's hard to braid it. And it's hard especially to keep it together if you don't use that third string. But when you braid it, it looks like two just two strings. Interesting. And that's the way it is with our relationships. You know, we can have, and I, I'm on the family and on marriage and husbands and wife. You can have husband and wife, but if you don't have that third braid, it won't stay together. And what is that? It's Christ. It's God. So all of us need interwoven into our lives a relationship with God. That starts first in our lives is having a relationship with God. And uh, last week we talked about in the beginning marriage in the beginning marriage and how important that uh, it is 
to start out with God. And then we talked about the origin of marriage. We talked about purpose of marriage, the price of marriage. We talked about the power of marriage. And then we talked about the condition of marriage. Now, if you did not get an outline of last sermon, uh, Sunday's sermon, there, is, there are copies on the uh, Welcome Center at the Welcome Center outside, and I would encourage you to do that. Paul Pano said something years ago that I, uh, I think is, is so true, that he was convinced that uh, there are a lot of people that, uh, well, I've lost an outline of my sermon. Did I leave it there? Do you mind? You're very kind. Thank you. It's like the preacher that had his outline and it fell through the cracks in the floor and he couldn't say a whole lot, you know. But uh, mine didn't fall through the cracks when they just left it out. But Paul Paino said many years ago that he was convinced that a lot of problems in the church today, uh, whether, it come, whether it comes to backsliding, whether uh, it comes to not being active in church, whether it comes to the lack of spiritual victory, he said he was convinced that most of those problems, the origin of those problems, started in the home. And I believe that. A lot of problems, and the devil is attacking the home, especially marriages today. So in the beginning, marriage in this morning, successful marriage. How many of you would like to have a successful marriage? Amen. We all would. If we're married, we want a successful marriage. Preacher, I'm not married. We all need these powerful principles. All of us needs these principles. So I would encourage you to keep a copy of our outline of these and study them. And not only study them, but apply them to your life and your relationships and apply them to what God is doing in your particular life. God's design. Notice as we write in the introduction, God's or God designed men and women to be different in many ways. We all know that. Men and women approach problem, problems and difficulties differently. Both think differently. They process emotions differently. They make decisions differently. And they learn differently. And yet men and women complement one another so beautifully that a healthy relationship makes both more complete. There is nothing like a good, healthy relationship in marriage. And some of us have been married for quite a few years. Some of us are just starting on that journey. I want to ask you, what kind of relationship do you have with your husband, with your wife? Is it fulfilled? Is it meaningful? Are you happy in your relationship? Well, in order to do that, there are certain principles that you and I must abide by and understand that God made us different. This is more than just a psychological truth, this difference. And it's important to know that. This is the reason that it makes such a spiritual impact. Pastor, why would it make such a spiritual impact? Well, Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, your wife, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as their weaker vessel. Now deal with that weaker vessel uh, statement in just a moment. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. And then notice at the end of this verse, that your prayers may not be hindered. So how things go, how things go in your in your spiritual life is an indication of how they are going in your married life. 
And I think that that could go on into a relationship with a brother or sister or a church family. It is important that we understand that Peter, and I just read it, expressed the importance of harmony in the marriage relationship when, it's, when it comes to our prayer life. My wife and I have had arguments and conflicts and disagreements, and I've walked out of the house and I've said, well, I'm going to go to church to pray. Guess what? <laughs> it's very hard to pray. Until you make things right with your companion, till you make things right with your wife or with your husband. Notice, number one, we must recognize the difference between the man and the woman, between husband and wife. The relationship between husband and wife becomes vitally important to the spiritual well-being of the home. And I've just stated it, but I can't overstate it. Whether we get our prayers answered is whether or not we have a good relationship with our wife or with our husband. It's hard to communicate vertically if you and I don't communicate horizontally. If our horizontal relationship is suffering, then our vertical relationship is going to suffer. If we're having problems here, then we have problems here. And it's important. The weaker vessel, I said I would address that, doesn't mean that the wife or that the woman is weaker mentally or emotionally. And we need certainly to understand that. The woman is not and never has been and is not second to man. Amen. And uh, it's important, man's position in the home. Now, a lot of husbands and fathers do not do this, but it is very important because the husband, the father, becomes the umbrella, the protection of that home. Man's position is to be a priest, is to be a covering spiritually, and he is responsible for that. The man is the leader, and we'll get some into that, in the home. But that leadership, or that what I call, not a capital L, that lordship is earned. A lot of men want to be the leader. They want that lordship position, but they're not willing to do things that earn that lordship position. So we must recognize the difference understand that God made us different. And we'll look more into that as we go through these, this series. If, if possible, here's another uh, good uh, principle concerning having a successful marriage, and that is, if possible, don't live with parents. And I read this into your hearing, how Genesis talks about leaving and cleaving. The man will leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. It is amazing today how many young people, especially millennials, still are in the home after 30 and 35 years old. But it doesn't matter our age. Listen, if you can't leave mom and dad, postpone the marriage. And a lot of times we get into trouble and their trouble arises because that we don't. Now, there are, there are always exceptions to the rule. If there's sickness or something going on, then we certainly understand that. But if possible, don't live with parents. Number three, handle mates. Guys, gals, handle mates' shortcomings with tact and understanding. I mean, it's, it, it's not going to work out if both blow up. Amen? It's important that we understand with that mate. You said, does my mate have shortcomings? We all do. You do. I do. We all do. But we're to handle it with tact and understanding. Notice what I have listed here. Six 
reasons that their problems, and I'm sure there are more, but I've, I've listed six reasons that their problems in the home and that become, they become arguments. They become conflicts in the home. Number one, wounded pride. We have hurt feelings and we sit around, stand around, work around, live around, and we pout because we've been wounded. Wise is the man that knows that that wife has been wounded and work to heal that wound. Wise is the lady, the wife, to know the same thing. Number two, a sense of inadequacy or an inferiority complex. I can't tell you how important this number two is. Most of you know how my family life was before I left home from mom and dad. I lived in a home where there was alcohol and there was arguing. There was, there was physical, mental, and verbal abuse. And I was raised in that. I was raised with fear. My home life was so dysfunctional and I brought that into my life and brought that into my marriage. Carol's was the opposite. She had peace. They had peace in their home. Their dad, her dad was in the early years of uh, when she was very small, was an alcoholic, but he got saved. And he and his wife and Carol's mom and dad, and uh, it, it was just a whole. So here you are in a normal, healthy home environment. And here you are in a, a dysfunctional environment, and we come together and expect to be one. But we bring baggage into this relationship. It's not going to work unless there are changes. I felt very inferior at times with my wife. And I had this inferiority complex. Someone said, you don't have an inferiority complex. You really are inferior. You know, and when we come together like that, you've got to understand. And for several years at the beginning of our relationship, we were married in 1963, September the 15th, I think that's right on. And the first years of that marriage, we suffered because of the baggage mainly that I carried into the relationship. And there, are, there are, are, are husbands that feel inferior to their wives or vice versa. There are wives because maybe they came from an unhealthy relationship and they carry the baggage. Whatever baggage you carry in, it's going to be in that home. A sense of inadequacy and, or, or an inferiority complex. And they allow anger to rule. I allowed anger to rule my life. Notice what I've got here. It's good. You've got you, 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 you to understand this. Allowing anger to rule. Arguing is a way to protect yourself. A man, husband may feel inferior to the wife because she thinks in both sides of the brain and he thinks with one side of the brain and she's smarter or she, she's maybe not smarter but picks up on things and, and has the, a, a leadership quality. It's threatening to a man. Boy, it's quiet in here. Wow. Or it may be the other way. And then we, we express anger, and my anger was covering up my inadequacy. I tried to cover it up and be something that I was not, and I allowed anger to rule my life and to rule our marriage. And we both were miserable. Now, I'm sure I'm not talking to anybody else with just my, my situation or whatever, but... Uh, it could be whatever shortcoming it might be. We need to understand that ang getting angry and allowing anger to rule is no way to live in a relationship. 
God help us. And one day my wife looked at me and said, she said, I won't put up with this always. I won't do it. And I realized I was going to lose my relationship with God. I realized I was going to lose my relationship with my wife. I realized I was going to lose my ability to have a ministry. And I did three things, and I've told those things over and over and over again. And I'm, you're probably tired of those things. But I conquered anger through God's help. I conquered that anger. Do I get angry today? Yes. Does it rule me? No. There's a difference. We all get angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. But it's, and listen, so many men are ruled by anger. You watch them on the highway. If you don't think they're ruled by anger. You watch them in their relationship with their wife or in their relationship with their co-worker. Anger rules them. Let me tell you, you can overcome anger. It does not have to rule you and control you. Yes, you'll get angry, but it doesn't have to rule you. So anger no longer controls me. It's, listen, it is important that we do. A conflict has called, and here's another reason, a conflict has caused a deep sense of fear and there is pain. So maybe there's problems in the home because of a conflict and we never got it under the blood. We never, we never got forgiveness of it. And, and that unforgiveness, what does it turn into? It turns into bitterness, and that festers. And everything in that, that's done in that home just about is a reflect that, that festering and anger and disappointment and depression and all of those things come into play. The best thing to do is overcome it. The best thing to do is get it under the blood. The best, best thing to do is let God handle it, and he can't. Someone said, do I go to a counselor if that helps? I'm not against going to counseling. Spiritual counseling is the best. But if you can find a saint of God, a believer in the Lord, that's spiritual, and they were privately taken to consideration what you're saying, getting counsel is good. But we better get rid of that anger. Let me tell you another one that would destroy you. Jealousy. Jealousy is crueler than the grave. One uh, is jealous of the other, and it rules their life. I know people. That jealousy, pride, and we need to get rid of those things. We need to allow God to help us to be victorious. Another reason there's a conflict is sickness. Sickness that creates problems in the home. You see, Pastor, this thing is more than I can bear. It's just something that I can't overcome. Yes, you can. There is not one thing that you're dealing with in your relationship, in your marriage, that you can't overcome. I've never one time, and I don't think Carol ever one time really thought about us separating. Thought about killing each other maybe a time or two, but other than that. Not one thing in your marriage that God can't help you overcome. And it might be a struggle. How many of you know that he's our burden bearer? I want to say that again. God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is our burden bearer. And he can help us. Physical fatigue. Understand when you're tired. You know, the Bible says in Matthew that Jesus went out to a deserted place. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in his physical body got tired, and he had to go out to a place by himself to recuperate, rejuvenate himself, to get strength again, we're going to have to do, do, do the same thing. And folks, we're so busy. We have to come back from a week's vacation and rest a week just to get rest from our vacation. We're tired. It's time to take time to live. It's time to serve God. That's one of the great things about Friday night. Someone says, 
preacher, I'm too busy to go to church on Friday night. And I know most of us, if we, we, maybe we can at times. Well, there's, there's some times we just should shut down and rest. There's times that we need to relax. We're fatigued. We're tired. We've got something going all the time. We've got to have on the, be on the phone or listening to a song. Or, you know, I, I see people walking all the time with earphones and got to have something. Can we just... Can we just relax? Can we let, let the Holy Spirit minister to us and renew us mentally, renew us physically? Fatigued, just tired. We're emotionally give completely out. That sets us up for an argument. We need to understand that. Loneliness. That's another thing that causes problems. Somebody says, well, we're around each other all the time. We're around people. You can be in a crowd and be lonely. Loneliness is set in. No matter, you know. You say, what's, 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 what's going to satisfy us? What, what's going to do away with the loneliness? Can I cut on another TV program? If I watch Dr. Field, can I understand and get, get involved in that, get involved in this, get in, go do this, go that, go that? No. Allow Jesus Christ to come in in a very special way and not just be part of our lives, but to be manifested in our lives. To be active. You know, we know him. We're acquainted with him. But is he active in our lives? Is he active in our marriage? Good preaching, Brother Don. It's important that we have a happy, fulfilled marriage. There are people that just live together. Husbands and wives just live together. They're not happy. They're not happy to go home with their wife. I got me a cup of hot tea this week. We have a nice back porch and it was hot, but we turned on the fan and it was shady. I said, Carol, come and sit with me. She came outside. We got a love seat on the porch. We just sat there. We just sat there. How long has it been since you just really got rid of all the distractions and just sat down with your husband and wife and with a cup of hot tea or glass of ice and tea and and just enjoyed each other. Love is a fruit. Love is a fruit. It will not grow. It, it, will, it, it will not be sustained. Unless you work at it. And there are things you can do to disrupt that love. Disrupt that feeling for your, for your wife. Listen. When you first fell in love. How about... When you first fell in love, wow. I could talk to Carol on the phone for an hour and it seemed like five minutes. But if we're not careful, you don't just shut up. Don't say nothing. I'm just tired. You know? Let's, we, can, we need to get back to that first love that we had for each other. Get you a cup of hot tea and a cup of iced tea or coffee or cup of coffee. Go on the pack porch and sit in the love seat and listen to the birds and watch them come and feed on the feeder. We have cardinals. We have a lot of cardinals and they come and the male cardinal and the female cardinal will come and light up on the feeder and the male cardinal will reach in and get a seed and give it to the female cardinal. How long has it been since you've just taken time to enjoy each other? God wants us to do that. Love is a fruit. It must be cultivated. Here's a big one. Accept each other as they are. 
Now you think, if you're dating this guy and you don't like certain things about him, you think he's going to change when you get married. He is. But it's going to be worse. You're not going to change him. I can change no one through direct action. If I could, I'd do it. I'd go out this morning and roll those people that didn't get here out of bed. I'd grab a hold of the steering wheel and turn their car around to 3518 Rose of Sharon Road. I would take the golf club out of their hand and the golf balls and I would point them to this church and I'd fill up this church if I could do something directly to people. You can't make people. I can change no one through direct action. But others can change, but I, but rather, but God can help me change. And then others respond as I change. Your husband does something you don't like. If he throws his socks on the floor instead of the, the basket and you try to make him change, he'll throw them on the floor just to spite you. You're not going to make him, you're not going to make that wife stop talking on that phone or whatever she does to irritate you. You're not going to stop them. I can change no one through direct action, but God can help me change. And then others change as I change. There's a great movie, most of you have seen it, called The War Room. And Elizabeth was trying to change Tony. Tony was creating major, major problems in their home. He came close to having an affair. He didn't. But he was a pain. You say, I, I live with a pain. Well, you're not going to change him. You're not going to make him. You know, people don't change until what? Max, Max, John Maxwell says, people change when they hurt bad enough, they have to. They learn enough, they want to. Or they receive enough, they're able to. And you understand that? People will not change until they hurt bad enough, they have to change. They learn enough that they want to change or they receive enough, receive from God, that they're able to change. But Elizabeth was trying to change Tony and she fussed at him and she fussed at him, but she met someone by the name of Miss Clara. Now Miss Clara put a bug in her ear. She said, you're, not gonna, you're trying to change him the wrong way. And if you're trying to change your mate directly, that's hopeless. It's not going to happen. Miss Clara introduced her to the war room. And Elizabeth, she carried her potato chips and her drink in the closet. And, you know, and she sat there, and, but she finally got down to business with God. And God changed her life. And Tony responded as Elizabeth changed. And they had a great relationship. You're not going to change your mate. If he's got bad habits, and you're trying to change him, you better let the Lord change you and let him respond to your change. If she's doing something you don't like, telling her she can't do that, huh. it's like trying to tell children after 13 or 14 years old what they are and what they're not going to do. Don't get me wrong, if they're still home, they're going to abide by your rules. But when they get 13 and 14, you've about taught them all you're going to teach them. That's it. Teenagers are something. Now, young people, best thing you can do is take these two outlines, fold them up, and save them because you're going to need them. You are going to need them because you think you're dating that perfect woman or that perfect man. He's Mr. Perfect. She's Miss Perfect. Uh-uh. Marriage is not easy. It's a lot of hard work, but it's well worth it. It's well worth it because God, in, he, he ordained marriage. He wants you accept each other as they are.
We're going to have conflict, folks. You know, I think the number one cause, you might not think the number one cause of conflict is. If I would ask you, you would probably say this, that. You know, the number one conflict in marriage, I believe, and I believe it's the number one conflict in the world today, it's selfishness. If you're entering into that relationship wondering what she can give me, he can give me, you're entering into a relationship in the wrong way. A lot of people start to, they go to a church wanting to know, well, what can that church give me? And we are to give. We are to bless. We are to instill in people's lives. But if you go to a church in a relationship wanting to know what you can get, that's the wrong way to enter it. You got to go enter into that relationship. Say, what can I do for her? How can I give to him? I want to bless him. I want to bless her. It is very important. What can I do for the church? Every one of us today should come through those doors, should come on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Friday night, whenever. We should come to the church and say, what can I give? How can I minister? How can I bless people? The disciples were discussing who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. I mean, they had it going. Can you imagine? Yes, they're talking to God. And they're saying, God, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus just, he just stayed quiet. He got up, went over and got him a towel, wrapped it around his loins. Got him a basin of water. He knelt down to each and every one of those disciples, including Judas. And he washed their feet. And when he'd finished, he said, the least in the kingdom is the greatest. Isn't that something? Jesus taught it altogether different. That's what's wrong with America today. Congress, the congressional leaders and the senators and politicians, greed, selfishness, businesses. There was a time that businesses and employers cared for their employees. Now they'll let you go up the drop of a hat. We've experienced that in this church lately. Not directly, but indirectly. Selfishness, greed. And husbands, it's easy for us to be selfish. We want this one to do that. Number five, don't dwell on faults and sins of the past. I mean, you have an argument and you, and you say, well, you know what you did last week. And she's already asked you to forgive her. You know, you can tell if you've forgiven someone. There's two ways. Someone has said, if you forgive someone, you forget it. No, you don't. God gave you the capability. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, Jesus forgives us of our sins, never to remember them, remember them, never to remember them against us. We all have the ability to remember. She's done something to you, you'll never forget it. He's done something. But I'll tell you, there's two ways you can tell it. If he said, honey, forgive me, there's two ways. And you said, I forgive you. Two ways that you can tell if you forgive him. Number one, you don't bring it up anymore. If something happens next week, next month, or six months from now, and you point back to what they did, and you said you forgave him, you didn't forgive him. You don't bring it up anymore. Number two. You don't get angry when you think about it. If you had, had, had an argument the day before, the night before, and then you hugged each other, said, honey, forgive me. And then on the way to work the next day, you think about it, you know. If you get angry, you didn't forgive them. Don't dwell on thoughts and sins of the past. Don't tattle family secrets. I don't know when I have ever preached and it's this quiet in the church. Either it's boring stiff or that hit dog is just, he ain't going to say nothing. 
How many of you know the skeleton should stay in the closet? Number seven, don't give all the attention on the child. Now, most of us or many of us have gone beyond those years. But you get married, and that man, he likes you to pet him, rub his back, scratch his head. He likes you to bring him a glass of Honey, would you bring me a glass of water? Honey, would you? He likes that. And that wife has time to give attention to him. And she's, a, a lot of times, and it's vice versa, the other way around too, the husband has time to give for each other. We laugh together and go out together. Then the baby comes along. And all of a sudden, she starts giving more and more attention to the baby. And then his needs go lacking. And he knows, she knows, he ought, she ought to know what he needs. And she's just busy. She don't have time, the time for him anymore that she at one time did. And he has needs, that physical needs and other needs, and they go lacking, and, and he gets angry, and and at 2 o'clock in the morning, that baby can whimper and, and she'll spring out of bed to that baby. And much of the time is given to that child and he's standing here. Oh my God, does it create problems? <laughs> it's true. Don't give all the time. Listen, find time for each other. I said love is a fruit. You've got to cultivate it with each other. It's important. Don't give all the time. One, man said, one wise man said, observe once, all human conflict is based upon different, differing expectations. He expects this, she expects that, expect the other. And number, number eight, I'm, I'm ending. Like getting a tooth canal. Difficulties can be resolved. Amen? How many of you know it can? Conflicts can be. The devil tried to destroy our relationship, and we're so happy and so glad. Listen, one of the points I bring out in one of the series is, is that love can grow and increase. When I was married five years, I didn't understand it when I would be married 55 years. But I'm here to tell you love can grow and increase difficulties can be resolved. All of life demands conflict. I hate that, but it does. God plans conflict in relationships. Why? Because it strengthens. You grow in those times. We look back in the hard times. I can look back in the hard times, and I found that I grew more in the valley than I did on the mountaintop. If It's not what happens to you. It's how you react to what happens to you. How do, you, how do you take it? Do you allow God to help you? Do you allow yourself to grow stronger during that time? You grow in faith, in prayer, and understanding by conflict. And all you need to do is take it to the Lord. If there's conflict, bring it to God. Pray about it. It's important. It's very important. When conflict comes, what do you do? Let me ask you that question. How do you react? What is the source of your conflict? I told you a while ago what the source of my conflict was when we first got married because I was raised in an environment that was not healthy and it was in every part and woof of my body and my life. It, 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 it drove me. Where does your conflict come from? How do you handle it? Do you handle it biblically? And it is very important that you handle it the way God wants you to handle it. Handle it. James chapter 1, I'm ending with this. Look at James chapter 1, verse 19 and verse 20. Now here's some good advice for husbands and wives. So then, my beloved brethren, this is talking mainly to the men, but it's to both. Let every man be what? Notice the two S's. Swift to hear, slow to speak, 
or three S's, and slow to wrath. You have a problem? It's one of the best ways to solve it. Adrian Rogers says it this way. And it is important. Tune in. Husbands, listen to your wife. Don't tune her out. He said, tone down. Slow to speak. <clears throat> we get in an argument, it's the one that can holler the loudest is the one that's winning the battle. <clears throat> Not necessarily. Roger says, tune in, tune down, and lighten up. Some of us guys, we all we got to do with a little spark and it lights our fuse. <clears throat> be slow, be slow to get angry. Tune in, tune down, and lighten up. I read, I want to read this to Amplify. Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be careful and thoughtful listeners. Or a careful and thoughtful listener. Slow to speak. A speaker of carefully chosen words. When you get in an argument, do you carefully choose your words? I don't care what I say. He deserves every bit of it. Slow, careful, chosen words. Slow to anger. And the Amplified says patient, reflective, forgiving. For the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Some might say amen. Oh, that makes me feel good. That standard of behavior which he requires from us. It is important. It is important. I got to close. Father, we love you today. I, I, I know these principles are so true and so biblical and so needed. I know you want harmony and peace in the home. But for some it's a struggle. For some there's so much contention. For some it's, it's even hard to go home. And it seems like every day it's like yesterday. It's the same old, same old. But Father, I pray for every married couple here today. I pray, I pray for the peace and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ to abound in that relationship. I pray against dissension. I pray against anger. I pray against jealousy. I pray against unforgiveness. I pray against bitterness. And I pray, God, that you might speak to our hearts today and give us grace beyond ourselves to bring healing. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit be poured on every marriage relationship in this home, in, 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 in this church today. Satan, you will not defeat one marriage in this church. We bind you in Jesus' name. We curse you in Jesus' name. God, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will do a work that perhaps an individual cannot do. But may they be willing and open to the moving of the Spirit in their life. And bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bring healing. In Jesus' name, we pray. I want you to set aside at least one night to have a date. If you have children, if you can get a babysitter, uh, do that. Have one night this week. Whether you will set aside time with each other. Don't sit there on the cell phone while you're in the restaurant. Cut it off. Turn it off. Spend some time to work on this relationship. Enhance this relationship. Encourage others. You can be an example. You, you can be a light to other couples. I want you to do that. And I want you to pray with each other. One of the greatest things that Carol and I 
learn to do is sit down and talk about the Word of God, talk over the things of the Lord, and then pray with each other. Pray with each other. We'll stop. We'll just be walking in the, around in the kitchen, doing things in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, we'll stop and we'll start prayer. The other one will stop and we'll pray together. We'll join together in agreement concerning needs. Pray together. It's vitally important. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for every married couple that's standing here in the front today. I thank you for the love and the unity. I thank you, Lord, for the, for the binding together of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, you're going to do that. I pray against the enemy that's causing confusion. Lord, and that's, dear God, something that needs to be dealt with. Is that confusion, Lord? Maybe, maybe they thought they said something they didn't even say. Satan is the author of confusion. And we come against this confusion in Jesus' name. We come against unforgiveness. We come against bitterness. That's been that's allowed to rule. We come against the anger. We pray against the spirit of anger, jealousy. Uh, we pray, God, that you might instill love for that mate and that loved one in Jesus' name, and let healing come. And may there be harmony and peace and joy and fulfillment in that home. In Jesus' name, we pray. I hope you prayed with me. I really do. I believe that. I love you today. And I hope you've gleaned something. Please take these notes with you. Sit down this week with these notes with your wife or with your husband or with your, your fiancé or someone that you're about, that you've fallen in love with. Fallen in love with. I'm not too sure you fall in love. Love is a fruit. Love is commitment. Love is self-giving. It's all of those good things. Amen.